All right, repeat out loud after me. God has a plan. Say it again. God has a plan. That's what I want to talk about today. Um, we kicked off last week this series called Crosswords, and we're looking at uh, the cross of Jesus Christ and all that it stood for, all that it meant. Uh, we're looking at truths that we learn from the cross. Uh, we're le- learning about how this reveals the heart of God. Uh, we're looking at it in terms of what God did for us uh, on the cross. And each week, we're looking at a different word. And when I was laying out this series, this was one of the words that came to me that I really wasn't expecting. Uh, But as I was thinking and just praying and asking God, Lord, help me understand uh, some things that we really need to know. This was one of the words that I really felt God gave me, the word planned. I want you to take your sermon outline out if you want to track along with us. We'll throw everything up on the screen uh, if you want to follow along. I I want us to look together at a passage of scripture that begins to give the insight to what I want to talk about today. Uh, This is in Acts chapter 2, and the storyline is, uh, this is Peter uh, preaching on the day of Pentecost to uh, the Jewish people that were there and the people who were gathered there in Jerusalem. Look at what he says. Read it with me out loud. This is only one verse. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Now, you can only imagine how those words penetrated the hearts of the people that day that, that heard that. You, you betrayed him. You nailed him to a cross. But if, if you're a note taker, circle those two words, prearranged plan. Did it ever occur to you that when we talk about the cross of Jesus Christ, we're not talking about some random act in history. We're, we're talking about something that God weaved into his plan for planet Earth. Um, I, w- I want you to look on your outline. Uh, I've given you s- several prophecies. And th- this is just kind of uh, always amazes me. How God gives us in advance the foreknowledge of what's going to take place. And you can notice on your outline, there, there are, I think I've listed like nine different scriptures there, and I'm not going to read all those this morning. Um, but I just would encourage you in your own time just to sit with those and just, just keep processing this fact that hundreds of years before Christ came, God was telling them through history, this what was, it was what was going to happen. In fact, I want to I take some time this morning. I'm going to read uh, a couple of scriptures, and, and I, just want you, I, I just want you to let these speak to you. Now, again, picture in your mind, this is hundreds of years before Christ came, hundreds of years before the cross took place, before Jesus was arrested, before he went through all of this. But I just want you to listen how with striking detail, God foretold what was going to take place and what was going to happen as a result of first section of scripture I want to read for you for you is from Psalm 22. This is one of the ones on your outline from Psalm 22. Listen to what it says. Beginning of verse one, it says, "My God, my God, why have you abandoned me?" You ever heard those words before? Yeah, those were words Jesus spoke on the cross. He says, "I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me." 
They sneer and shake their heads, saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. You remember the conversations around the cross? That was all a part of that. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. And then he says, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all of my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Over and over again, fantastic detail about what took place at the cross. And then listen about as Isaiah, as God speaks through Isaiah, to talk about what the cross, what happened to Jesus and what the cross meant to us. It says, speaking of Jesus, it says, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Listen to this. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, before he will bear all their sins. I just want you to let that just capture your imagination that hundreds of years before Christ ever came, God had a plan for our redemption. For God so loved us, he sent his one and only son. Amen? And we get to benefit from all of that. And it, but it wasn't, it wasn't a random act. It wasn't just something God pulled out of the air. He wove it into the plan of history. Now, on your outline, I, I want to I walk you through things. When I, when I was sitting with this, I, I was just, just in awe of God and, and who he is and how he works. And I thought, what, what are these, this idea that, that the cross was planned? What, what, what does that teach us about God? And man, I just started getting flooded with thoughts. I'll give you just a few of them. These are the ones that hit me quick. I'll give them to you. First one was, God is thoughtful. God is thoughtful. Now, that hit me because I'm, I'm not always thoughtful. Uh, I'm one of those ready, fire, aim, you know, kinds of guys. How many of you, be honest enough to admit, you get impulsive from time to time? 
Yeah, come on. How many of you have ever bought something and halfway home realized, I can't afford this? Anybody ever done that? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're kind of given at, at times to that impulsive kinds of behavior. Do you ever realize that God is never impulsive? God doesn't do things on a whim. Proverbs says that the wise look ahead to see what's coming, and our God is the wisest of all. He's very, very thoughtful about how he operates. I love this one. God is prepared. God is prepared. Anybody ever been caught unprepared before? Ah, God's prepared. When I, when, I, when I wrote that down this week, I, I had a flashback to when I lived in Pennsylvania and I had a, uh, our chairman of our board was a hospital administrator, and he had two boys, and uh, my, my buddy had, he had played basketball at Rutgers University, so he and I were both big basketball fans, and he came to me, and he said, hey, I've got, uh, I'm getting tickets to go to Cleveland uh, to see the Cleveland Cavaliers. He said, actually, so we're going to go to the, 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 the Cleveland Indians play. Uh, They're playing the Boston Red Sox in baseball on Friday. And he said, then I've got tickets to the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Boston Celtics on Saturday night. And that was the last year that Larry Bird played, the great Larry Bird. And I, I couldn't wait to see Larry Bird and end up after I got there, he had hurt his back and didn't play anyway. And I was really depressed. But that's another story. We, I won't tell but we, we, when I got to their house that day, you know, I'm just, I'm just, we're just going for, you know, just this overnight trip. And so I just, you know, I just threw a couple clothes in a bag and, and, and we're off and running. I got to their house, they had a station wagon. It's just me and my buddy and his two boys. They've got the whole back end of the station wagon filled with stuff. And I'm like, holy cow, how long are we staying? And they were, he was just, he had all of these bags and all of this stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm, 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 you know, who, who does this kind of thing? And I realized these guys are all, all three of them were Eagle Scouts, you know, and their motto was what? Be prepared, you know? And I'm thinking, hey, this is crazy. Well, we got, we got up to Cleveland. How many of you have ever been to Cleveland? And, and you just want to publicly apologize. Yeah. Yeah, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland sits right on Lake Erie. And we got up here. Now, this is a baseball game. It's in April. It's one of the early games. We got up here, and I kid you not, we got out to the stadium, and it sits right at that time. The old stadium sat right on the lake, and it's like in 37 degrees and raining. And the wind is whipping off that lake. And we got out. All I brought was just this little bitty jacket. You know, because it's springtime. I didn't think we we're going to need warm, warm clothing. You know, so, so we, we got out there. And I mean, I'm sitting in the stadium. I would go up and get a cup of coffee and I would just sit like this. You know, I wouldn't even drink it. I'd just let the warmth of the coffee just kind of wash over. These guys are all sitting there. They're layers. You know, they've got, they've got layers of stuff. You know, they're, they're comfortable. They're laughing and having a good time while I'm freezing to death. Why? Because they were prepared. Now, I, I just want you to get this. God's always prepared. I don't know what you're going through right now, but this is what I can tell you. God's prepared for it. You may not be. You may not have known that it was coming, but God did. And he's fully prepared to walk you through it. In fact, that kind of connects me to the next one that's very similar. God's not surprised. God's not surprised. You know, sometimes stuff happens and it just blows us away. Do you realize there is never a day when God wakes up and looks at the world and goes, oh, I had no idea that could happen, you know? God's never surprised by this, this stuff that goes on. God leaves nothing to chance. God leaves nothing 
to chance. You know, we live in a world with so much randomness in it. We just think, wow, you know, this, but God doesn't leave stuff to chance. He, he's constantly at work. And here's the last one. I really want you to get this. God, think about this. God is never a victim. He's never a victim. So often, especially when we, when we talk about the cross, we think of Jesus being a victim. But Jesus wasn't a victim. God sent his one and only son to earth for the purpose of the cross. Think this thought with me. When Jesus was uh, teaching his disciples, and they're, he's talking about what's going on, and they're, they're, they're freaking out about some of the stuff he's saying. He said, you know, what, what, should, what should I say? Save me from this hour? No, this hour is the reason that I came. When, when, when Jesus was, was, was arrested, you, you remember they, they were going to draw swords, and they were going to fight for him, and Jesus said, stop, what are you idiots doing? Stop, stop, stop. You, you think I'm a victim here? Don't you realize I could call 10,000 angels? I could call the armies of God if I, if I wanted to. That, that's not why I came. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay my life down. Are you getting this? You see, sometimes when we, we talk about God, particularly in light of a, of a very evil and oppressive world, we feel like God is a victim. Look at me, God's not a victim. He's not afraid at all. Amen. He's not afraid of all. And that, that, that leads me into just a couple of thoughts that I want to give you today, because I, I want some of the stuff just to really sink down into your heart and soul as you think about this. We don't have to fear the threats of the culture around us. We don't have to fear the threats of the culture around us. I'm always amazed when I see people who are people of faith, who, who say they believe in Jesus Christ, who, who say they are Christ's followers and, and, and believe God really is. I'm always amazed how afraid we can become of this world around us. And, and how often, you know, we want to we do something, we're going to, we're going to, we're going, listen, listen to how we say this, we're going to stop the evil in this world. We're going to, we're going to do something about this. Look at me. Oh, no, you're not. You don't have to do anything about it. It's already been done. Yeah, I, I love this story. This is, this is kind of how our, sometimes our plans work. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. This is a, a guy by the name of Joe Badam, lived out in New Jersey, and Joe, uh, Joe was a doomsday guy. Uh, Joe, uh, for 40 years, kept telling people the whole culture is going to come crashing down. And uh, so he, he had a plan. He said, oh, this, this whole world may fall apart, but I'm, I'm not, you know. And so he came up with this plan. He bought three acres of land up in Medford, New Jersey, and he built, throw that next picture up on the screen. He built this 8,400-square-foot house that was buried in the ground and part of it stuck up above this 8,400 square foot house. This house had, had, had everything in it. Um, it, it, had, uh, it had 
outbuildings, they had enough stuff to accommodate 120 friends for a full year. When he stocked this place, as he began to stock this place for the coming apocalypse, he stocked it with 4,200 rolls of toilet paper. Now, if you wonder where all of the toilet paper went during the coronavirus, Joe had it up in New Jersey. That's what happened. He buried tanks to hold gasoline and kerosene and diesel fuel and, uh, fuel and heating oil. He, he installed a coal-fired uh, coal furnace, and he had tons of coal stacked outside. He, he did all of this stuff believing that somehow he and a chosen few that he picked were going to escape the coming apocalypse. The only problem was in 2017, Joe went bankrupt, and he had to his, his property and everything. He lost it. It, it, went into, it went into bankruptcy and, and, and got foreclosed on. Now, he prepared for everything but a bad economy. Now, here, here's what I want to say to you. All the work that you want to try to do to stop what's coming, you can't stop what's coming. Here's the good news. You don't have to. Look at me. I want you to hear my heart. I've read the end of the book. We win. Amen. We win. I'm not going to tell you it's not bad. I'm not going to tell you it's not going to get bad. Probably is. We don't know how all this stuff is not going to unfold, but here, here's what we do know. Our Lord Jesus Christ reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. And when, when we really believe that in our heart of hearts, we stop being afraid of this world around us. In fact, I'm going to tell you, when we really begin to live and walk in the confidence and the spirit that God wants to put in us, it will be the world that will be afraid of us. Do you realize why they put Christians to death in the first century? They were scared to death of them. The first martyr, Stephen, stood up in front of this group of people and he preached passionately about what God, who God was, and what he had come to do. And his words so pierced their hearts that Acts 7 says these people were covering their ears. They couldn't stand to listen to what he was saying. Why? Because they were afraid. I love how Psalm 2 says it. It says, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Read it with me out loud. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The one who rules in heaven laughs. I love you. You don't have to be afraid. Our God wins. Let me give you a second thought. This will hopefully give comfort to you if you've been like me and made some mistakes in your life. We can trust that God's sovereignty is greater than our stupidity. <laughs> we can trust that God's sovereignty is greater than our stupidity. Come on, gang. It's just us. How many of you would be honest enough to admit publicly that along the way, you've made your share of stupid mistakes. Yeah, how many of you? More than once. Many times. This morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's a part of our human nature. You want a, you want a great picture of, of human nature? This was, this was so, so crazy. Um, you remember last month during when they had out in California, they were having all that rain and they were, you know, washing everything away and all that kind of stuff. You remember there was, there was a, um, a road, Highway 92, um, that had a, because of all the rain and stuff, it developed a sinkhole and about, I don't know, 15, 20 feet of the road just sunk, just was gone. And so the highway patrol put up some signs that just said road closed, you know, had some little things up there, road, road closed. And, um, you know, you know how people are with this stuff? Well, it wasn't, but like the day or two after they put the signs up, some guy drives around the signs and goes and goes into the ravine, you know, with his car and ends up having to get towed out. So then they came back and they thought, okay, a couple of big signs aren't enough. So they put signs and barriers with flashing lights. So that picture, there you go, you got it, there you go. That's what, that's what they ended up with. You know, the road closed, don't go there. You know, what, what, what do you got to say? A couple of days after they put these up, guess what? Throw that next picture up. There we go. There's another guy. And uh, they posted, Highway Patrol posted this picture on their website and said, gee, we should have put bigger signs up, you know? And it was just kind of a, you know, it's like, how, what do we got to do to stop people? They got this guy towed out. And, and it wasn't, but just a couple of days later, guess what? Throw the next picture up. Here's the guy. <laughs> the California Highway Patrol is going, this can't be real. <laughs> it's like, how many people have to drive into this before you decide your car is not going to make it across? You know, you know what I'm saying? Now, this is just a great picture of our human nature. Because again, we are people who are often bent on doing things our way. We're bent on doing them in our time. We, we want to do what we want, when we want to do it. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. As much as we mess up and all the mistakes we make and some of the stupid things we do, here's the deal. God's sovereignty and grace are greater than our failures. And God can work in our lives and for his good in spite of the stupid things that we do. There's a, a great passage that just kind of gives you an idea. In Luke 22, if you remember the story, Jesus um, is in this last kind of moments with his disciples and he, he's telling them, you know, you guys are all going to betray me. You're all going to run away. And you remember Peter, you know, Peter was like, Simon Peter's like, you know, Lord, even, even if these losers, you know, leave you, you know, I never will, you know. I want you to look at what, what Jesus says to Peter. This is just so cool. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, I love that, that your faith should not fail. Read it with me out loud. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. What's Jesus saying? Can I, can I put it in the Steve Childs vernacular for a second? Peter, you're being stupid. You, you think that you're bigger, badder, stronger than all the rest of these guys, and you're just a man, and you're not. But you're going to fall flat on your face. But here's the deal. I'm never going to give up on you. 
Even though you're going to weep bitterly because you're going to hear yourself deny me in your own ears, come back to me, bud. Because when you come back to me, I'm going to use you. And you remember what happened? Peter did fail. Peter wept bitterly. But Peter came back in that verse that we read at the very beginning of the message today. That was on the day of Pentecost when Peter, in spite of his failures, in spite of his mess-ups, in spite of his ego, in spite of all of his stuff, God wove all of that into his sovereign plan. And Peter gets up in boldness and preaches a sermon. And 3,000 people get saved. Now, this is really important. You see, not, not everything that happens to us is the hand of God. There are random acts of life that happen, but in all of the random things of life that do happen, God's hand is still at work. Does that make sense to you? And why this is so important is because sometimes when we mess up, sometimes when we blow it big, sometimes when we really screw up our lives, we throw up our hands and we go, that's it. God's done with me. There, there's no going forward now, man. I'm, I'm at the bottom. I, this, this, this is it. I might as well curl up and die. Look at me. No, 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 no. If you're still living and breathing, God is not done with you. And his plan is still unfolding. I promise you, any given Thursday night here at Chartel at Celebrate Recovery, you can hear the testimonies of people who will tell you just how badly they have trashed their lives believing that their life was over. But our God is a redeemer. And our God is a deliverer. And our God can take even the things in our life that the enemy has meant for evil and he can weave them into good. Amen? Let me give you one more. If God has a plan for the cross, he has a plan for us. He has a plan for us. Pastor Steve, what's God's plan for me? I can tell you parts of it. Jeremiah 29, 11. Read it with me, church. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. What's God's plan for you? His plan is that you will surrender your heart and life to him and that you will become his beloved daughter and his beloved son. God's plan is that you would open your life and your heart to allow him to lead you and guide you in this world. God's plan is for you to discover that he has purposes for you, ways that he wants to use you that you haven't even begun to imagine yet. If God from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, if God had a plan for the cross way back then, trust me, God's got a plan for you. Several years ago when I was, when I was pastoring in Phoenix, we had a, we had a, a Wednesday where we had the, the blood mobile is, was out. And um, I've got type O positive blood, which is the universal donor, so they always want my blood. And um, 
And I, I hadn't really given blood much, and I think only one or two times before when I, when I went into the blood mobile, and, and I don't know, something about getting stuck with needles and stuff that doesn't really rock my world. Um, but they got me hooked up, and I tried not to be a sissy about it, and you know, they, they, they got the stuff on, and I'm, I'm laying there, and, and as I was just laying there, you know, you just got to make your fist and let it go and all that kind of stuff. As I'm laying there, I'm just kind of lost in my thoughts. It, it hit me, I'm not just giving blood, someone's going to get this blood, and I started thinking, I wonder, I wonder who's going to get it. I wonder if it'll be some guy who's in surgery that needs, you know, needs a, needs a blood transfusion to make it through the surgery. I, I wonder if it'll be some kid who's in an accident and, and needs blood, and maybe they'll give my blood to him. And I just started thinking about all of these different images of how my blood might be used. And, as they finished up and they put the bandage on, they put the little I don't know, roadrunner band-aid or whatever it was on my, on my arm. And I, I walked out of the, the trailer. And as I was walking into our, our sanctuary there, uh, there's a, there was a cross outside. And when I looked at the cross, and I was, it just hit me that just like I gave my blood for whoever was going to receive it, Christ gave his blood, and then here's what hit me, and it was overwhelming. When Jesus was on the cross, he thought of me. He knew that there was going to be a boy born in Ohio in 1955 that was going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, and he was going to need that blood of his to save his soul to make him into the man that he wants him to be. When Jesus was on the cross, please don't miss this, he thought of you. God not only had a plan for the cross, he has a plan for you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, and no matter what you've done. Are you open to that plan? Uh, I'm going to ask my prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and just uh, take your place here at the front. And, and just a moment, uh, Rachel's going to lead us in a, in a song as we close things out. But we would love the privilege of praying with you today. Um, there may be some of you who, you know, just kind of want to spend your own quiet moments with God, and that's fine. Or maybe some of you who want to slip out and have like to kneel at an altar to kind of have a private moment with God, and you're welcome to do that. But there may be there may be some of us today that are just facing some stuff or walking through some stuff, and we would really appreciate having someone pray with us. And, and we have three different prayer partners up here at the front, and any one of them would count it a privilege to pray with you in whatever you're going through. It could be something in for yourself, could be something for your family, could be something for a friend. What, whatever it is, that's why we're here. For some of you, it may be you really want to discover God's plan. You want to believe that God has a plan for you, and he does. And maybe today you just need someone to pray with you to say, God, would you help my heart to be open to the plan that you have. We're going to ask you to stand, if you would. Rachel's going to lead us in a song. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, feel free to slip out and come while we're singing this song. And we're done singing the song. I'm going to pray a prayer, and we'll be finished for today. Oh, let your heart be open 
to what God wants to say and do in you. Father, as we come today, we're just, we marvel sometimes at who you are. We marvel at the way that you work through history. We marvel at the fact that from the very beginning of time when you created us, you couldn't create us with the ability to make choices without also creating the ability to redeem us when we went the wrong way. And so you, before the dawn of time, created the cross. Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And we are in awe of that. Father, today I pray that you would speak your word of truth into each one of our hearts. I pray today that you would realize that no matter who we are, what we've been through, or how many mistakes we've made, you have a plan for our life. Your desire is to forgive us, redeem us, save us. Your desire is to work in us, through us. Your desire is to transform all of this evil that's in this world and by your grace and by your power, make good out of it. So Lord, today, wherever we are, whether we're watching online, whether we're right here this morning, Lord, come and have your way in us. We've tried leading our own lives. We've tried living by our own plans. And Father, that doesn't always work out so well. So today we surrender our hearts and our lives to you. Have your way in us and have your way through us. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, amen.